0: Hello, I'm Tamara Rodney, and you're listening to The United States of Nursing, a limited edition series on our On The Pulse podcast. In this special series, we will feature students, faculty, and alumni who are making an impact in their local communities across the United States. In every town across all 50 states, nurses are the innovative leaders who focus on communities, social determinants of health, and the day-to-day experiences of people's lives. On our first episode, we will speak with Sabianka Delvo, an assistant professor at Boston College School of Nursing and a Johns Hopkins School of Nursing PhD alumna of the class of 2020. Welcome Sabianka.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Can we start off by you telling us about your journey into nursing and why did you want to become a nurse and why did you end up getting your PhD?
1: I always knew that I wanted to you know, be in service to others And so that's actually why I decided to go to um, my undergraduate school, which was Boston College, because of the Jesuit mission and, you know, men and women for others and figuring out what you're good at to help other people. So initially, I was um, actually a chemistry major. And so I took a couple of courses and I really gravitated towards anatomy and physiology And so I decided to talk to the dean uh, at the School of Nursing about changing my major from chemistry and to actually get accepted into the School of Nursing. I was accepted and the rest was sort of history. And I think initially I was apprehensive about my decision. (laughs) And then I think once I started taking clinicals and actually getting to touch patients and see how much of an impact I could have, that really solidified my decision into nursing. So I really feel like I didn't look for nursing, but that nursing found me. And so the reason why I decided to get into academia was because the school that I went to was a private white institution and there weren't a lot of minorities. So the faculty members that supported me, not all of them were minorities, but I felt a strong sense of support there, and had it not been for them, I I don't know how confident I would have been getting through the program and, you know, matriculating from start to finish, and I think that seeing the need for, you know, minority students like myself or underserved, underprivileged students to have someone that looked like them to mentor them, because honestly... I love teaching and I love doing research, but I really look forward to the mentoring piece. So that's really why I decided to go into academia. I wanted to inspire, you know, younger men and women and, you know, help them along their path.
0: That's so beautiful. One of the things that you're doing, which many persons know, but if they don't, is that there continues to be nursing faculty shortage across the country. And now that you're serving as faculty, can you tell us what your role looks like and why specifically you wanted to be a faculty member?
1: I participated um, in the nurse faculty for the future program that we have here at Hopkins, and it pretty much teaches future faculty members, how to be good teachers, how to be good faculty members. And so that really helped to teach me how to develop curriculum, how to create a syllabus, um, just those basic things that you don't typically learn in a PhD program. So I feel like that really boosted my confidence, like, okay, I can actually do this. And that solidified my decision, in addition to already wanting to be faculty, beforehand. And so I know that there is a shortage and especially um, in a PhD tenure track position, because I, I know that we have a lot of awesome DNP faculty members, but not a lot of research track scientists. So I really wanted to mentor PhD students and provide some insight as to what doing research is really about, because I feel like a lot of nursing students, get very intimidated by the thought of research. <laughs> and so I, I like to like remove that um, you know, that barrier, if you will. And it's been working really well so far. I've had four undergraduate research fellows. I've had two of them that had the opportunity to publish with me. I've had several that have presented at the Honor Society Research Day. I'm also working with some minority students for their McNair Fellowship which is essentially another opportunity to help students from disadvantaged backgrounds who are interested in research uh, later on as a graduate degree. So I'm also helping them on their own mixed methods research project. It's really great to see that transformation over time. So I feel like that's another reason why I chose to be faculty. I love seeing that spark in their eyes when they finally get it or when you're teaching a student how to you know check blood pressure, <laughs> um, take blood pressure readings for the first time, and they couldn't do it at first. And now they they're like I hear the sound, <laughs> I hear it. Do you hear it? I'm like yes, I hear it. <laughs> um, so I just you know those little things, and honestly, it rejuvenates you. It, it makes me re- uh, it reminds me of why I decided to be a nurse and how excited I was when I first entered the field. So.
0: That's exciting. It's it's wonderful to think of nursing as a profession that you can inspire individuals. And I, I don't think it's general knowledge about many of the things that nurses do, but let's talk about one of the pieces that we don't often speak about, which is research. So tell me about your research and how your role as faculty allows you opportunities to pursue this research.
1: My research is focused on helping immigrants and underserved communities, helping them to figure out ways to manage their, I call it cardiometabolic risk factors, but it's essentially your heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, helping them manage those diseases, or even get to a point that they can get rid of those risk factors and not have to deal with with them chronically. And so that's essentially what my research is focused on. And I use different methods. Primarily, I use digital technologies. So that's your, you know, your apps, your Fitbits, wearable sensors to help them manage their disease. Because a lot of the theories that I use to inform my work, they all have one thing in common is and it is motivation, right? So what is going to motivate an individual or our communities to take control of their health and, you know, get that self-efficacy going so that they can manage their diseases, their risk factors better. And so I find that digital technologies is a great way to do so because they can get real-time feedback. You know, if they're walking faster, they can say, oh, I've, you know, I've done X amount of steps more today than I did yesterday. And so I find that it's a great tool to help folks manage their cardiometabolic risk factors. And also the communities that I serve, they don't necessarily speak English or they're not proficient in English. And so I try to use images more. I'm essentially meeting my communities and my patients where they are. I'm not asking them to meet me where I am. So that's essentially what really gets me up in the morning every day. It's really great to, know that you finally found your passion and what you're good at and that you're actually helping improve other people's lives.
0: That is wonderful. And it also means that you're utilizing technology and being considerate of language as well. In terms of making an impact, what population do you primarily work with?
1: And mostly I work with Latinos, Asian immigrants, because I speak Spanish and I also speak Haitian Creole. And so I'm able to easily translate materials. And also, I I really have to underscore this, not just translation, but also culturally relevance, right? So making sure that whatever materials that I'm using or intervention that I'm developing, that it is culturally relevant. It's not just something that I'm creating because I think it's cool and the literature says it's great. But that my community will actually find it relevant to their lives and they will actually use it.
0: That is so cool. I say that just hearing it, but um, that is a wonderful way to do research and to have it make meaningful impact. And right now, what would you say is the most rewarding part of being faculty and the most rewarding thing about being a nurse?
1: When I'm in a room full of students and I, you know, they're asking me questions and I'm giving my lecture. I often reflect and say, okay, this is a room full of 200 students and any one of them could be my my nurse one day. And so it really gives me pause and really makes me appreciate, reflect on the material that I prepare for them, how I deliver the material. Oftentimes I'll have the PowerPoint ready to go And then I read the room and I see, okay, something's not clicking or they're not understanding this. So I always like to wait for that feedback and, you know, make some shifts if I have to, because at the end of the day, any one of them sitting in that room could be my nurse. I could be that nurse at the bedside and I loved it, but I'm in a room full of 200 people that are so excited to, you know, to get out there and be the best nurse that they can be. And it's a very rewarding feeling. You know, nursing is a noble profession, but I think being a nurse educator, it's even tenfold.
0: It's pretty special to think that you are helping to prepare individuals for the future who might be your nurse, but they could also be your peer because you're influencing individuals who might also go into research.
1: Exactly. But also, too, I feel like when you go into nursing, there's so many hard skills that you learn, right? Because you know it's an art and a science. You learn a lot of critical skills as a nurse, but also the soft skills that you that you learn. And I feel like a nurse can go into any discipline, any profession, and be successful because the skills that you learn, you can, you can do anything, you know, Um, you learn how to think on your feet, you learn how to put pieces together, you're looking at lab values, you're looking at the patient's history, you're looking at their, their mood, right, their mental disposition, there's so many pieces to the puzzle. So I feel like nurses, you know, there are business men and women, they can go into social work, they can go into Any field that they want, because the skills that they learn, it's transferable to any discipline. And that's why I feel like we see so many nurses, especially Hopkins graduates, they tend to go back for their doctorate degree because the skills that they learn, it's just so valuable. Like they want to do more. And I think with nursing, it's just limitless potential.
0: I would 100% agree with you. It is a very dynamic profession. And for our listeners who are listening to you and seeing what an amazing career you've had so far, are there any advice you would have for those persons who are aspiring to be faculty?
1: I would say that if you want to be faculty, but more of the clinical track, I would highly encourage you to be a clinical instructor as like an immediate first step. I also encourage folks to try to be a TA if you can. Just to see the background work that goes into preparing you know, course materials, because that's more of the tedious things that people tend to struggle with or not like. But once you get good at it, it doesn't feel like such a mammoth of a task. And I would say if you're interested in you know, more of the research track, try to do something like you know, what my students are doing, either a McNair Fellowship or an Undergraduate Research Fellowship. Or try to work with a faculty on their research, even as a work study type of opportunity. So I, I think that would also give you an insight as to like what research is like. You'll get to see the time that the professor or the faculty member puts together a proposal all the way to when they actually collect the data and actually, you know, and disseminate it. So I would highly encourage, you know, those opportunities, whether you're in the DNP or the PhD track, statistics is just a hurdle you'll have to get over, but you can do it. (laughs) I'm highly confident in, you know, any nurse that wants to go back to school.
0: Thank you for some very practical but valuable advice um, for all our nurses and potential nurses who are listening. And as we said in our intro, you are currently at the Boston College School of Nursing, which is in Massachusetts. What would you say is the best thing about Boston and what is the best thing about living in Massachusetts?
1: Okay, the best thing about living in Boston are the sports teams. But besides the sports team, I think for someone who's in the healthcare arena, It's just a mecca for some amazing hospitals. We have Mass General Hospital, Brigham and Women's Hospital. um, If you're really into women's health or just adult health, we have Children's Hospital, Beth Israel, Deaconess, and they're all in the same area too. It's like a little hub. Um, Jocelyn Diabetes Center, the Shrine Center for, for Burns. So I feel like for myself as a faculty member, And also Harvard Medical School, I feel like I get to the opportunity to collaborate with folks from Harvard Medical School, from Brigham, any one of those hospitals. I think that's why I love BC so much, because we're very well connected to all of these great institutions, even Tufts Medical School, Boston University Medical School. So it's just, it's a great place to be. And I really have to underscore this the Jesuit mission. I love BC for the Jesuit mission because I feel like as a human for myself, my own personal philosophy, I feel the best when I am in service to other people, when I am doing something for my community, knowing that I gave back. And that mission sort of threads through their curriculum, everything that they do and you know, I really enjoy that.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, That's very meaningful to be impactful in the community where you live. And it certainly sounds like an amazing community to live and work. (laughs) But you've also mentioned some very famous names with international recognition. I wonder how do you think your work in Boston might translate to not just a community level, but to a national and international level?
1: My hope is that I can affect policies regarding digital technology use, and hopefully, once that policy is passed, some insurance companies can actually cover for digital uh, or medical peripherally used devices can be covered so that folks who are diabetic that are checking their blood sugars can do so and that that information can be transmitted directly to their primary care physician and you know so on and so forth. so That's one example of how I would like my work to affect policies and um, what I do on a daily basis. Internationally, I was born in Haiti and it really means a lot to me to sort of give back to not only where I came from, but I know what it's like to grow up in in a developing country. So I love to give back. I feel very privileged to work at a great institution, to have graduated from such a great institution. And Hopkins was really great about planting that seed in me to think internationally, not just locally. And so I have worked with a couple of international um, organizations. Right now, I'm still at the infancy of my nursing slash international um, reach but hopefully if we have this conversation five to 10 years from now, I'll tell you a, lot, a little bit more about the impact that I've had. But I, I, I do see that as something that I want to do more of. But right now I'm trying to focus on becoming a better researcher, you know, honing some of those skills. And hopefully that will automatically translate nationally and internationally. I'm also learning how to build a team and create a team around me of not only mentors who will support me through that process, but also, you know, research assistants and statisticians. And I think it's also important to, to know that you don't have to do it alone.
0: And to add to that, saying words of wisdom while you're doing all of that I think your work is amazing I cannot wait to see what it looks like in five or ten years you've had an inspiring journey so far and you're on a great path towards continuing to serve in your faculty role in Boston thank you so much it was a pleasure speaking with you today Thank you to everyone for listening to the United States of Nursing, a special series on our On The Pulse podcast. To see more about how nurses across the United States are making an impact in their local communities, visit unitedstatesofnursing.org.
1: Hey, On The Pulse listeners, have you considered taking your career to the next level by earning a PhD degree? At the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. We are passionate about helping you advance. Our PhD program offers a -a one-of-a-kind opportunity to build the skills you need to develop and implement scientific research that can change the world. And most full-time Johns Hopkins nursing PhD students are 100% funded with a stipend for the first three years of study. Visit nursing.jhu.edu slash on the pulse to learn more and apply.